Take your Bibles and turn to Jonah. Jonah chapter number 1. Jonah chapter number 1 for a little while. And next, for the next little while, we'll be looking at the book of Jonah on our Sunday night services. And uh, yeah, we all have books of the Bible that we, we enjoy. Maybe some favorites. I can't say Jonah is a favorite book because I didn't like what Jonah did. But I do like reading Jonah because there's lots to learn. And uh, it has been a, a book that has been seriously uh, attacked by scholars. I mean, all the Word of God has been attacked by scholars and critics. Uh, but Jonah in particular, because they really had a hard time believing a, a fish could swallow a man and live. That's one of the bigger ones. But at any rate, uh, we'll, as we go through it, we'll see. We uh, absolutely know it should be part of God's Word. And God has a message for us in this chapter. We're going to read the whole chapter. Can you believe that? The whole chapter. Number one. Jonah chapter number one. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish for the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish for the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and they cried every man unto his God. And they cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said every one to his fellow, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. And then they said unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil has come upon us? What is thine occupation? Whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which have made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled for the presence of the Lord, because he told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea was rotten and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up, cast me forth into the sea, so the sea shall uh, sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land, but they could not. For the sea was rotten and was contemptuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, Lord, as we examine the book of Jonah for 
few Sunday nights coming up, Lord. I pray that You help us to glean the truths that are here. And Lord, help us as this evening we will look, help us to be willing servants as Jonah was not willing. Lord, help us to be the servants You want us to be. Help us to follow Your will. I pray these things in Your holy and precious name. Amen. So Jonah, Jonah, he... He was the son of Amittai in verse number 1. It tells us that. Uh, there's another reference to Jonah in the Old Testament, and that's in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25. And in that reference, we find that he's from a little town called Gath-Hefer. Uh, this village exists today, but by a different name. Uh, uh, it's called Mishhead. I don't know which one is better, but they changed names sometime in the past. Uh, and it's located just north of uh, Nazareth. So he was from the northern kingdom of Israel. That's where he was located. That's where he lived. And according to 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25, we find that Jonah is referred to as a servant as well as a prophet. He was a man called by God uh, for a specific purpose to proclaim the truth and to point the, the nation to the Messiah and to challenge the people to turn their hearts from idols and back to God. And that was always an issue in the nation of Israel, the worship of idols. Now, in his prophecy, or he prophesied in 2 Kings 14.25 that the kingdom would expand. So, a prophet is telling the people what's to happen, right? That's what was happening in the Old Testament. We don't have prophets today, but back in that day, that man, Jonah, was given a message from God. He delivered to Israel, and the message was, our nation is going to expand, do you think that was received negatively or positively? Positively. Who doesn't want this, especially in that day and age? They wanted to see their, their kingdom expand. They wanted to see them growing. It showed prosperity. It showed the hand of God upon them. So I really think that Jonah was like super popular in the nation of Israel. Like he want, he went to town and he never had to buy a coffee or buy a meal. Because everybody was giving him things because that's what they would look at him and say, man, you gave us a great message. We're so thankful for you. Now we come to this book and we find Jonah who's unwilling to deliver a very specific message to a specific city. Now, I've met some people who are unwilling to do things and they'll do anything to get out of it. I can remember this one guy. I used to pick up for youth group when I was a youth pastor in Newfoundland. And I used to pick him up and the first question out of his mouth was, uh, so what are we eating tonight at youth group? I mean, seriously, that's, that's all he wanted to talk about was food. You know, we had a lot in common, I'll be honest, but, you know, the idea of going to youth group was we're going to have activities, we're going to run around the gym, and we're going to have some fun, and there's going to be preaching. It's going to be a good time. And I can remember uh, he would try everything, every kind of excuse to get out of being involved in activity. Didn't want to do this. Didn't want to do that. Now, if I said there was potato chips on the table, he would be the fastest one to the table. But he would do everything to get out of being involved in activities. So there's always those type of people trying to get out of things. Jonah was unwilling at first, but he eventually got the message. And he already had the Lord's message, but he got to where he needed to be. So first of all, we see the call in verses 1 and 2. The call. Jonah was going to, was doing the Lord's will, I believe, before verse 2. And we know from 2 Kings chapter 24, or sorry, verse, 2 Kings first chapter 14, 
that he was preparing and, and he was a prophet and serving the Lord. So it's an example that the Lord uses people who are already serving, right? We need to be in the serving mode, a laboring for the Lord. So Jonah was there. The Lord calls him to give him a very specific message to Nineveh. And rise, go to Nineveh, the great city, cry against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. It's not a big message, is it? It's not particularly difficult. It's pretty simple. Straight to the point. Arise against and tell Nineveh, because of her wickedness, it's come up before me. The word cry means to preach, to publish, to proclaim. Kind of like what I'm doing now, but I think a little bit more urgency, because bad things are going to happen. And wickedness means bad, evil, uh, mischief, naughty, trouble. Now, that doesn't sound great. doesn't sound like a real awesome message to bring to Nineveh. But if we get a little bit more picture of Nineveh, it, the picture doesn't even get any better. Nineveh was the capital of Syria, which was located about 500 miles north of Israel and was the center of Israel's worst Gentile enemy. They weren't friends, okay? He wasn't going next door to tell his neighbor that he really loved that. You need to get things right. No, they, they were at odds. Jonah was a Jew, and he probably desired to see Nineveh and Assyria be wiped off the map. That's what he wanted. That's go away. We never want to see you. And, and, and in the book of Jonah, uh, there's not much said about Nineveh's wickedness. We're not told. We're not given any details about it. Uh, but in the prophet Nahum gives us some insight. I'm just going to read you a few verses uh, from Nahum. Uh, first, well, it was guilty. Uh, Nineveh was guilty of a number of things. First, evil plots against God. What do you imagine against the Lord? He will make an utter end. Affliction shall not rise up the second time. That's Nahum chapter 1, verse 9. So they had evil plots. They exploited the helpless. And they were extremely cruel in war. The lion did tear in pieces enough for his whelps and strangled for his lioness and filled his holes with prey and his dens with raven. Behold, I'm against thee, saith the Lord of hosts. I will burn your chariots in the smoke. Out of the sword shall devour thy young lions, and I will cut off thy prey from the earth, and the voice of the messenger shall be heard no more. The first part of that verse tells us about how they destroyed. And Assyrians were horrible. Uh, the Babylonians, when they took Judah... They had more of a, a, a um, system of, in, you know, bring the culture from that place into Babylon. The Syrians' idea was utterly destroy. Who cares if anybody lives? And take whatever we want and plunder and things. They were wicked people. Uh, they were guilty of idolatry and prostitution and witchcraft because of multitude of the whoredoms, the well-favored harlot, the mistress of witchcrafts, and sell her nations through her whoredoms and families through her witchcraft. Nahum chapter 3, verse 4. So this does not sound like a place you want to go on family vacation. This is horrible. I mean, I have read stories and books that uh, they would actually have, you know, the skulls or of their of the dead that they had destroyed in battle and had them placed on, on sticks around their homes. I mean, it was horrible. These people were... You know, really wicked. And, and humanly, as I read the book of Jonah, I understand the background a little bit. Humanly, I understand the emotion of not wanting to go tell them. But God commanded him to go. So the best God spot for Jonah was Nineveh. 
God said, go. Your spot is in Nineveh. And we need to understand the best spot for all of us is God's spot for us. Wherever God has for you or wants you to be, you need to be be there. So if Afghanistan is God's spot for you, you're safer there than you are in Toronto or whatever suburb you might live in. Hey, when we are in the middle of God's place for us, we are in the safest place we absolutely can be. We're in the best spot. So he was. that was the call. This is where you're supposed to go. So, verse number 3. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish for the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it and to go with him unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, it's not told us if this message was given to Jonah in the Scripture. It's not told us if it was in the middle of the night that God awoke Jonah and gave him this message. But it's not a bad thought. It probably it could have happened. We're not given explicitly that it did. Uh, but the idea, for me, as I think about it, maybe he got this call late in the morning or early in the morning, and his, cho- his choice was immediately to run and flee to Joppa. And then immediately get on a boat going to Tarshish. Now, Tarshish. Where, where is Tarshish? Is, is that a suburb of Nineveh? No. This is, Israel is on one side of the Mediterranean. Tarshish is on the other side of the Mediterranean. I mean, it's, it is a long ways away. It's going in the totally opposite direction of Nineveh. Totally opposite. And Jonah, according to this, went to, uh, went there to get from the presence of the Lord. That's what it says there, verse number two. Uh, flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He was trying to get as far as away from the Lord as he possibly could. Now that's totally a crazy idea, isn't it? There's no way that that could happen. But there's a lot of people just like Jonah this evening, who are, who are Christians or call themselves Christians this evening. God's called them to missions. God's calling full-time service. Maybe uh, God's calling them to do some more service, not, not leave their secular job, but be involved in something specific. Maybe God's calling them to sacrifice in an area. And maybe God's calling them to you know, broaden their education a little bit more so they can help more. Yet they refuse, and they run in the other direction. Let me read you a verse. Let me read you a few verses. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. Psalm 139, verse 7 to 10. There is nowhere that we can go to get away from the presence of God. But Jonah was trying his best to get away. Another interesting thought here, as we read this verse, chapter, uh, verse number three of this chapter, have you noticed that when he's uh, heading away from God, that he's going down? He went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare of there and went down into it. When you make a choice against the Lord, you are going down spiritually, folks. Now, I'm not saying your ship is sunk. 
What I'm saying is that we're going lower in our spiritual walk. When God tells us to do this, we hear it and we're like, no, we're going, we're, we're going down spiritually. We're, we're not going up because we're defying what God has told us to do. It wasn't too long ago. I remember talking to a young lady who was in my youth group in Newfoundland many years ago. And uh, she had made so many bad decisions. And she, she was so confused. And she's trying to figure out what was right to do. And she'd been challenged to make the right decision. Not by me, but other good uh, friends and family and pastors. Uh, but she was looking in all the wrong places uh, to, to bring her happiness. You know, happiness doesn't last very long, does it? Isn't that something like a happenstance? You know, something nice happens and we're happy? You know, the, the first day of camp, I was pretty happy. By the fourth day of camp, I wasn't so happy. You know, now I had to rely on the joy of the Lord <laughs> to keep the smile on my face. The reality is happiness is so fleeting. Hey, one day I can be happy in one moment, and in the next moment I get a phone call and my happiness disappears. You know, someone's sick, someone's passed away, uh, the car broke down, uh, you know, uh, there was been an accident, and uh, now there's a big hole in my kitchen, and who knows? You know, we don't know what it could be, but our happiness can disappear really quick. So it's not a matter of chasing happiness, and you know, just that was a little side thought with talking to this young lady, and she wasn't living up to the potential that God had for her. She was way behind, and she was low in her spiritual life. Now, praise the Lord, she's doing much better now. Married a wonderful young man. She's serving the Lord. It is wonderful that she's serving the Lord now and doing so well. But we've got to watch out. When we're running from God, well, that's not really an option, folks, running from God. Okay, Don't do that. Don't do what Jonah did here. But when we run from God, we're going to go down in our spiritual life. We will not... Uh, you know, rise the heights above and, you know, new uh, mountaintop experience in our spiritual life when we're running from God. We're going to go down. And none of us should desire that. We should be desiring to serve God. We should be desiring to go further in our Christian life. So we saw the, the call. God tells him, this is what I want you to do, Jonah. Then we see his choice. Then we see the consequences. Verses 14, 4 to 17. I'm not going to read all those again. Uh, but here's the consequences. Uh, you, you know that with every choice you make, there's a consequence. Okay? Uh, this week, um, I was at camp, and uh, I don't know, something about swings and boys. Always bad things happen. This little guy get on a swing, and he thought it would be a really great idea to stand on the swing. And to swing. And uh, he started. I, I, I was not aware of what was taking place until it was way beyond my ability to stop what was happening. Have you ever been there? You see something unfolding. You know it's not going to end well. Well, this is the same thing with me. So he's getting on the swing. He's going back and forth. And one of his friends decides, I should push my friend who's standing on a swing. Who's a really short friend. And so he doesn't push him higher up. He pushes him at his feet, which are really important to be on the swing if you're standing on the swing. So all of a sudden, this little guy, he's flying through the air. And all of a sudden, gravity takes 
you know, that hasn't changed. Camp, there's gravity too. And he lands right on his face. He gets up and, uh, and he was a tough little guy, I gotta be honest. Uh, he was tough and he got up, his face was all scratched up and he was crying and things. And he comes to me, I'm like, wow, that was bad, you know, type of, and I'm trying to help him and stuff. And I look at, and I just kind of said this out of, you know, just talking with him and trying to calm him down. It's like, man, you're gonna have a really good shiner. Well, that perked him right up. He's like, I'm going to have a shiner. I'm like, oh, yeah. And so I ran with that. I'm like, yeah, you're definitely going to have a huge shiner. And then he's like, I'm going to have a shiner. And he's walking around telling all his friends. The reality is there was a consequence for him standing on a swing and going back and forth, right? And he, he should have sat on it. And even sometimes swinging on swings is not always the best idea for me anyway. Some things have happened to me on the swing. But at any rate, with every choice we have, there is a consequence. Everyone. Everyone. There's a consequence uh, when that person shared the gospel with you. Amen? Someone shared the gospel with you and one... I'm hoping everyone here knows Jesus Christ as Savior. I know a lot of you do. And they share the gospel with you and you're like, yes, I need to get saved. Isn't that a wonderful consequence? The message was shared and you accepted it. Praise the Lord. So there's always consequences. Jonah gets in that boat. And I really think that Jonah thinks, I am good. God will not find me. I will never go to Nineveh. He got all comfortable on the side of that ship, and he has himself a wonderful nap. He, he, I think he's asleep before they cast off the lines from the dock. And, and it's not long uh, before there is a great wind. Verse number 4. But the Lord set up a great wind in the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. That's the idea. They, the mariners were afraid, verse 5, they were afraid, they were thought they were in danger of being wrecked. And that's a, that's a big fear of all mariners, okay, of being wrecked in a storm. And he gets in there, and he's asleep, and, and everything is fine with him. As the, the, the captain tells his men to set the sail, and out of the, the harbor of Joppa they go. Uh, and he thinks, hey, I'm good. I'm going to go to Tarshish. I, I mean, I don't know if there's a Jewish community there there, or if he had a long-lost cousin there or something. We don't know why he... Well, I think I know why. It's because that was the furthest away from Nineveh he could get. All right, But we don't know exactly, but I, that's the theory I'm going with. And then in verse 4, we see this big storm comes up. And it threatens the destruction of the ship. It, had, it was no minor breeze or blow, as we would say in Newfoundland, but these mariners feared for their safety. Some thoughts here. You know, your sin affects others. When Joppa paid his fare, he never thought anything would happen to him, let alone anyone else. What a humbling sight to see those mariners crying out to God. Now, I have a, a number of fishermen and skippers. So a skipper is different than a captain. Okay, we're just a little bit of information for you. So a captain is like guys who captain these big boats go up and down the lake. A skipper is a guy who owns a small fishing boat or even a bigger one. It can be a fair size. But it's two different kind of classifications, okay? So just so you know. I don't know why I told you that, but I just did. 
So, okay, because I have all kinds of fishermen and skippers in my family, okay? And, uh, you know, they're pretty hard. You know, they're not really easily afraid. You know, they don't come in the door and we're like, boo! And they're like, oh! You know, they're, they're strong men. They're, they're seasoned with, uh, you know, facing the salt air and, uh, good blows on the, on the sea. Uh, I'm sure these men were like, if not like my uncles and, and, and cousins and things, uh, maybe even greater experience. You know, fear didn't really take grip them very often. They feared so much that they tossed out the wares. Now, the wares would have been tools, merchandise they were paid to transport, pottery, jewels, maybe food, along that line. They did that to keep the boat buoyant. You know, they wanted to keep it afloat. And all through this event, as they're uh, casting things out in verse number 5, they were crying to their God, they cast forth the the wares, and uh, Jonah was gone down on the sides of the ship, and he laid and he laid and was fast asleep. He was asleep. I mean, can you imagine how that boat must have been shuddering and banging and I mean going all over the place? These men feared that they would sink. And there he is, asleep in the side of the boat. You know, Jonah was not one bit guilty or feeling convicted that he was running from God. He was down there and he was passed out. Now I have been on boats where it's been that, well, I don't know as bad as that situation, but on bad times, and I can't sleep. i got to get up. It's horrible. But he's down there asleep on the side of the boat. And the captain comes down and finds him. Uh, verse number 6. So the shipmaster came to him and said to him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise! Call upon thy God, see if the God will think upon us, that we perish not. Now, again, I told you I had some fishermen and skippers in my family. And when they're disturbed, they're pretty loud. And they get right to the point. And they don't care how about your feelings. Like, come on! Jonah! I mean, he didn't know his name, I guess. Or at that time, he didn't know. Get up! And pray unto your God. That must have been such a slap in the face when you think about it. Jonah was the prophet. And he was running from God. And here was the shipmaster who, at this time, I do not believe trusted in any god but his own gods that he made up. And he's telling him, arise and pray to thy God. Oh man, talk about a slap in the face. The old prophet, the prophet was being told to do what he should by an old sailor. Now sailors, then and now, are pretty superstitious people. I'm going to tell you right now. I've seen my uncles before they get on the boat. Knock on wood before they get in the boat. I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, that's what we do every time we leave. I'm like, okay, sure. (laughs) Jump in the boat. (laughs) I'm not going to do it because I don't believe in that. But they're super superstitious. I mean, they that's all, you know, throwing salt over their backs and all kinds of different things. They see a black cat, bad things are going to happen. You know, don't you go under uh, ladders, seven years of bad luck. You know, when I wasn't as wise as I am now, I used to do that stuff just on purpose to get them upset. It wasn't very smart. I wouldn't advise to do that. But, I mean, I'm not held to it. But they they are. And these men want to find out uh, who brought this upon them by using lots there uh, in verse number 7. And, you know, we know what happens. Jonah is found out to be one who caused this mess. And they asked some good questions in verse 8 and verse 9. 
Then they said unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause is this evil uh, upon us? What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? And what is thy country? And of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which have made the sea and the dry land. Now, just think about this. Trying to, just As we try to visualize the Word of God, this is a story that happened. This is true. God's Word is true. Jonah, the book of Jonah is true. It happened. Do you think that this was taking place in this kind of language? I mean, they would have been yelling. Have you ever been in a storm? In an open boat? That's probably what it was like. The wind is blowing. It's loud. You know, and there's probably water coming up over the side of the bow because that's why the guys were throwing the wares out to keep it afloat. So they're soaked. I, I don't doubt for a second they're soaking wet and things are not great. They are not comfortable. They are fearing for their lives. So I think the decibel level, I'm not going to do it, but I think it's pretty loud that they're talking to Jonah and saying, where are you from? What are you doing? What people are thou from? I just want to... Sometimes we can read the Bible like a book. It's the Word of God. It's alive. Amen? And we need to understand the context and what's happening. It brings it alive. I love when the Word of God comes alive. It is alive. Amen? It's the Word of God. It, it has, will never fade away. And, and so he tells them that, he's, that God had given him a call, but he ran and got on the boat. <laughs> and in verse 10, And then the men were exceedingly afraid and said unto him, why hast thou done this? For they, well, because they, the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. That's a great question. Why did you do this, Jonah? And again, visualize and think you're soaking wet. There's more than one or two of these guys, sailors on the boat, and the water's coming in. He relays the story of the message I gave him and that he got on the boat. He's going to Tarshish. These mariners know Tarshish is the opposite way of Nineveh. Why did you do this? He never answered. He never gave them an answer. Jonah's sin of running from the Lord now put these innocent men at risk. These men had nothing to do with the choice that Jonah made, did they? He didn't meet these men until probably a couple hours before. Your sin affects others. I can remember a time, me and my wife, we went to visit a teenage girl in the psychiatric ward in uh, Health Sciences in St. John's. She tried to kill herself at 16. And it wasn't the first time. I remember sitting down with her, trying to help her. My wife was there trying to help her. And she relayed the story to us about how her dad had totally abandoned her. Well, he was... He would, she would see him, but he, he refused to have any kind of emotional connection with his daughter at all. Wouldn't meet any physical needs. Wouldn't take care of her emotional needs. He was in a house, but he was like a stranger in the house. Hey, folks, that's a sin. That's not right. As a father, we have responsibilities. Right, fathers? To care and take care of our children. That man, that was a sin. And then her mother, because of... Her dad's lack of engagement, and, and he had some other issues with his her mom. Her mom was very emotionally stable and, and other things in her life, and she was chasing strange and very bizarre lifestyles. And here this poor girl was, not knowing where she should go, and she was just fed up with life and tried to kill herself. Hey, our sin affects more than just us. 
And I'm telling you, that's a very convicting reality. Very convicting. These sailors, these mariners, had no idea who Jonah was, and neither did they know what he did until this moment. They were innocent in this situation. They were not without sin. They definitely were sinners, but the sin of of uh, Jonah affected them. Your sin affects you. By now, Jonah's well aware that his sin is causing this huge storm. He, he's figured it out. This is because of him. And he tells the captain um, that you need to throw me overboard. Verse 11, And then they said unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be a calm unto us? Uh, for the sea was wrought and uh, tempted us. And he said unto him, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that it's for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Verse number 13, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land, but they could not, for the sea was rot. He says, okay, throw me in. This is the only way it's going to stop. And verse number 13, they tried hard to bring the ship to shore. They couldn't. They rode hard, but to no avail. And finally, they come to the point of throwing Jonah out of the boat, and they plead for mercy. Verse number 14, Wherefore they cry to the Lord and say, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done it as it pleased thee. They plead for the mercy of the Lord. Now, so I, as I stated, you know, my, some of my family, actually a lot of my family, fishermen and skippers and things, and if you got on their boat and they took you out and the storm came up, the first thing they would think of, well, one thing they would never think of, I should say, is to throw you out of the boat. Hey, we throw the foreigner out, we'll be okay. Toss them overboard there, Vern. Let's get them out of the boat. They would never do that. Now, you're entrusted uh, in their eyes. I'm going to take you care of you better than I'm going to take care of myself because you've put your trust in me as the captain or as a crew to take care of you. And, uh, you know, but in order to live, they had to. They, they could not see a resolution to this but by doing this. And can you imagine the thoughts that were going through the mind of Jonah as they were you know, the, the ship is going back and forth. The waves are crashing over the bow, over the stern, starboard, uh, port side. The water's coming all in. and It's a, it's a horrible scene. It's, I, I kind of, in my mind, get the idea. It's, it's dark and it's loud. The wind is blowing. It's a horrible time. And, and they're picking him up and they're getting him ready to throw him over. And Jonah's probably thinking, this is it. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm not going to live. I can't swim. Or maybe he could. He wouldn't swim very long in that. There's no way you can live in that. And he's thinking, this is over. And he's probably thinking, I should have listened to the Lord right now. I should have done that a few hours ago. My sin has brought me to my death. Jonah had no idea the storm would stop as soon as he hit the water. He was pretty sure, but he definitely had no idea that when he got in the water, there was going to be a mighty big fish who would swallow him up. He had no idea that. He didn't know that was his future. He did not know that's what the Lord had in store for him, that he would spend three days and three nights, literal three days and three nights in the belly of the whale or of a big fish. His sin affected him horribly. You know, I thought about those sailors. So you you see in verse 15, so they took Jonah up, cast him in the sea, and the sea ceased. From her raging. And then the, mere, the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. We don't know what the vows were, 
But I definitely know that these men were definitely understanding there was a God. There was a God. But that was a horrible way for them to figure out that there was a God, isn't it? It shouldn't have been that way. They shouldn't have had to live through that. Because of his sin, his testimony was affected. Those men, I mean, that's, that's, that's what these men were asking. Why did you do this? Why have you done this? And I don't think it was like, why have you done this? It was, why have you done this? You know, it was not a, a good testimony to leave with these men. Thankfully, I, I think they overcame it. But the reality is, it was bad. He should not have done it. Now we, and listen, folks, we all struggle with sin. We all have a flesh that wants to do wrong. But when we're tempted to do that wrong, just remember the path it will lead us down. You know, the path of, hey, uh, you know, this week, the, the, the brother Ed Dunlop did a fantastic job. It was awesome how he encouraged the young people in our church and other churches never to drink, never to do alcohol, and never smoke. And I was in the back of that little auditorium there going, Amen, Amen, Amen. And to see our young people, people in our church, young people in our church and other churches, at such a young age say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that because it leads down such horrible paths. He showed, a, he showed a, with the drinking, and that's so prevalent in our world. I mentioned that last Sunday night, I think, or Sunday night before, about how for every 80 homes in North America, there is an establishment that sells alcohol. And he told us the story of a guy in a church who's an engineer on a, uh, a train and how he saw a man on the track about half a mile down. It was a straight shot, and he could see something on the track, figured out it was a man, and he hammered the brakes. He saved man, and he hammered the brakes, and he prayed the Lord that he would not run over that man. But how can you tell when you have eight, you know, 27 you know, tra- uh, trailers behind you, train things? And what are they called again? Trucks? Cars, thank you. Uh, cars behind them. And he remember he finally stopped. And he got out of his cab. And he walked forward to the front of the train. And he looked down. His train wheels had stopped about four inches from the guy's head. He actually showed us the picture. He took a picture of it. And here's this guy on the railroad bed, tracks, passed out from drinking. Passed out. Totally wasted. And he just encouraged our children, hey, don't be tempted by that. Don't fall for the world's snares. Hey, there's, there's folks who've got to watch out for that. And, and in today, you know, in drugs as well, and then in the, the temptation to, to get ahead at work, to, to tell a lie, or to you know, make the papers look just a little bit better by cheating, or whatever the case is. Oh, and it leads down to some horrible testimonies, doesn't it, when the truth comes out? We need, to, we need to understand that. That affects us. We're not immune. We're not immune. We have to watch out for it. And it's fun. I understand that. that because the Bible tells us sin is pleasurable for a season. It absolutely is. But then the season's over. Uh, 
I mean, I say these things, folks, and I, I think of my own self, and I have to watch out what I think, what I, the temptations I face. That I have to make sure I have a wall guarding my heart to make sure that I don't do those things and lead down a road that shouldn't be. Hey, it's only by the grace of God, amen? None of us here are super Christians that we will never fall for sin. No. And it's just like I preached this morning that we need to be daily in the Word. Daily in the Word. Daily in the Word to help us have a heart that's protected and we're putting up uh, fences and things to make sure that we don't fall from temptation. I don't know where your heart is this evening. I don't know what the Lord is pushing on you about. Maybe He's calling you to the ministry. I'm telling you right now, folks, our land is in such a need of pastors today. It's unbelievable. There's churches today that don't have a pastor. And they want to serve the Lord. They want to reach their community, but they don't have a shepherd. I spent some time with Pastor Thiessen recently, and he's going across our great land. And he's telling me about places that need a pastor. Need a pastor here. Need a pastor. Uh, Brother Alcock, do you know of anybody? And I don't. The need is huge. It's massive. And maybe the, the Lord's pulling on your heartstrings about, hey, I, I need to be a little bit more involved in church. Maybe you see something that you could do that really would help the church, but you're like, I don't know. And you're kind of, no. Nah. Or maybe there's something else that you're fighting in your heart and life. You know God's calling you to do it. You know, it's not a vision or a, a clear verse like this in verse number 2, but you know in your heart the Lord's leading you to do it. Don't fight it. Don't run away from it like Jonah. Don't do that. You know, you're on a boat to Tarshish if you're in that situation. Where you should be running to God's will, you're running away from it. Hey, remember I said earlier in the message, the safest spot for you is God's spot? Get there. Find out where God's spot is for you and get in His perfect will for your life. God's not going to let you down. Oh, there's going to be things that happen that you don't like, and maybe it's not very convenient, and you might face disappointments and struggles and trials and heartbreak. Actually, I guarantee you're going to face all those things. Because that's life. But God won't leave you. And you can look to Him for strength for the battle. You can look for Him for strength for the situation. And God will give it. Running from God's perfect will for your life is not what you need to do. That's actually called sin. There was a little guy this week at camp that was trying to get to help. I was trying to get him to help me. I said, "Hey, give me a hand with this." You know, and I was talking to someone about this today, this morning already. That you can tell when a little guy or a person is like in their own little world, their own little bubble. Have you met people like that who are in their own little bubble? You say things to them and it just like pounces off their bubble and do-do-do-do-do, you know. They don't know that you even spoke to them, you know. But this young fellow was not like that. He heard me. And it's almost like I could see it in the back of his head as he's walking away. I said, yay, hey, can you help me? And he stopped. And I could almost see if that he made a decision, no, I'm not going to help you. And he kept walking. Well, that's called what? Disobedience. Pastor McLean put me in charge of that cab, and he was supposed to be responsible to me if I asked him to do something. And I wasn't asking him to do anything, you know, that he could not do. He could do, but he chose not to do it. 
We had some intense fellowship after that, I'll be honest with you, and we corrected the situation. Hey, let's not do that with God, folks. Hey, God tells us to do something. Don't stop and think, say, no, I'm going to go do my way. Now, do it God's way. Follow what God has for you. Follow His plan for your life. And remember, and it's, it's a very sombering thought to remember because it's not what our flesh likes to hear, but sin affects our lives. It affects you personally and affects those around you. Hey, the reality is, with God's help, we don't always have to be in this cycle of sinning, sinning, doing worse and worse. Hey, we can get on a cycle where we're doing what's right. We're still going to make mistakes. We're still going to err. I understand that. But we're in God's perfect will, and we're trajectorying the right way, right? We're going up rather than going down. We're going forward for Jesus Christ. Hey, let us never be found in the column of an unwilling servant like Jonah was right now in this portion of Scripture. Help, ask the Lord to help you be part of the column saying, a willing servant. I'll follow you, Lord, wherever it will be. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there's no doubt that we all have to face situations in life that are not easy and not comfortable. And we need to look to the Lord to help us. Maybe the Lord's calling you to do something. I don't know your heart. Only the Lord does. And you need to be honest with yourself and with the Lord. And maybe in recent days, uh, that reality of sin affecting you has come to fruition or whatever. And just, hey, it's wonderful to know that the Lord forgives, amen, and He desires us to be willing servants. And I hope that's what you'll be your heart this evening. Dear Jesus, help us to be the willing servant. Lord, we can learn how not to be from this book of Jonah. Oh, Lord, His decisions on that day. Lord, help us to follow You and be in Your spot for us. I pray these things in Your holy and precious name. Amen.